right, well, we are going to start on page 244 and the left-hand column there, but let's pray. Our Father, uh, thank you for the subject we are studying tonight, the resurrection of your Son who joined himself to our human nature so that being united to him, we ourselves can die and rise again and uh, with him and thereby be delivered from the judgment to come and given new life even now. So Lord, remind us to be grateful. Uh, forgive us when we're not and uh, help us uh, to be patient uh, with the path you put us on. And we know you make no mistakes and, and enable us to, to cling uh, to your promises and, and thank you for them. Lord, uh, we thank you for the Stuarts and how that situation played out. We still pray for Bill and, and Frida. Uh, and we thank you for Bill's uh, sweet spirit and his uh, testimony in that place where he is. Lord, uh, we ask for the progress of your gospel in our families, in our church, in our nation, that you would make a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit on an undeserving people. But you're a God who delights in mercy. And so we pray that you'll even use our children and raise up a new generation of those that proclaim your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are uh, almost done with the first day of the resurrection, that, that all the activities that took place and all the people that went back and forth between the city and the tomb and all of those things. We have a few more um, items to look at, and then, and then we'll go on. So we are at Sunday evening. Um, Let's see if I can do this. It always helps. See the forest from the trees. We are like on Sunday evening when the guys on the road to Emmaus return to Jerusalem. And this is where we are, right here. Uh, they return to Jerusalem after Jesus reveals himself to them on the road, the road to Emmaus. And, and they find all the disciples comparing notes about Jesus is risen. And then Jesus appears to them Sunday, late Sunday evening. So we'll consider both of these tonight. And we might just step into our next major section here is the post-resurrection experiences. After, after that Sunday, Jesus remains for 40 more days. And there's a number of additional um, appearances during that 40-day 40, uh, 40 period. So we'll probably get that far. Now, next week, um, a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning, when I was preaching about... Um, you can't have forgiveness only. 
forgiveness plus transformation out of Romans 5 and 6. We were talking about how those two go together. You have them both or you don't have either if you're saved. And at the end of that message, I made some reference to about the lordship controversy and the language we use. And I said we would do a Wednesday night uh, on that subject. And Lord willing, we'll do that next week. We'll do that next Wednesday. I'll send out an email. But... um, that's a very significant issue, uh, both practical and doctrinal, and we'll spend next Wednesday night kind of fleshing out some of the things I said then. So, All right, so we are at Luke 24, verse 33. And the guys on the road to Emmaus, they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleventh. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And so when they show up there, uh, they knew where to go. They got back to Jerusalem. They knew where to find the group of disciples. And uh, they're already assembled, except Thomas. We know Thomas is not there even though Luke refers to 11. You notice that? They, they found the 11, and Thomas wasn't there, so we know there was 10, don't we? So I'll just, just uh, leave that for you. That's uh, <clears throat> one of those uh, things, perhaps, uh, how Luke writes. But they found them, and they're in this room, and when they entered, before they had a chance to tell about their experience, they entered, and what they found was, is they were found those gathered saying, basically, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So, uh, they are all obviously excited, and disbelief of the women's testimony has now turned to affirmation. You know, it was, it was mid-morning when the ladies told them Jesus was risen, and they didn't believe them. And now it's Sunday evening, and sometime in that afternoon, the Lord appeared to Peter, uh, to Simon is the name used here. And that most likely was a personal appearance. We don't know, we don't have any indication that he appeared to any of the other apostles prior to that. And so apparently they believe Peter. And um, uh, so it, it seems hard to deny that in view of Peter's denials, this order appears to be Jesus' kindness toward Peter. I mean, think of Peter. You know, three days ago, he denied the Lord vehemently three times. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I would be a little nervous <laughs> to, uh, to, to, and maybe I would hope we'd have a private conversation <laughs> before we were in the group. Well, I'm reading a little bit into it, but he does appear to Peter, it seems, individually. And I, I, I think that that was an act of kindness on the Lord's part. 
And Peter is now bringing that report back, and the others are saying that he has, you know, he has appeared to, to Simon. So then Cleopas and his companions get to put, tell their story, and the verse says, and they told about the things that happened to them on the road, how he was made known to them in the breaking, in the breaking of the bread. So we, we went over that whole thing last week on, on the road to Emmaus. Uh, what, a, what a great lesson that was as Jesus taught them that the Christ had to suffer and then enter in his glory. And, and what, what unbelief did he kind of challenge them about? What, what did he say they were slow to believe? That led to the fact that they didn't understand what was going on. What were they slow to believe? Anybody? Oh, this is a great text. It's a, it's, it's, Mary Ann's looking at her Bible. She probably has seen the answer. <laughs> well, let's look at that verse again because it so much applies to us as well. All right, let's back up here. Then he said, and and certain, this is Cleopas, and certain women of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. That's what was their problem. And that remains to be often our problem. So, um, Jesus says that right after they say they found the tomb empty. Notice the connection there. Cleopas says to Jesus, yeah, these women, you know, they kind of really blew our minds because they said the tomb was empty. And Jesus is going, well, duh, if you believe that Christ was to rise from the dead, you know, maybe you figure out why the tomb was empty. Because that's when Jesus responds, when, when he says the women went to the tomb and found it. You know, uh, certain of those went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And we know what the women had said. The women had said the tomb was empty, and, and the cloth and all of that stuff. So, that's just an encouragement not to be slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, isn't it? It also reflects Jesus' doctrine of Scripture, doesn't it? Right? You know, is the Old Testament full of myths and full of stuff that we shouldn't believe? No, it's not. Jesus is the one that ultimately establishes the doctrine of Scripture for us. We are His disciples. We follow His teaching. And we follow His teaching about the Bible itself. And this is one of those great passages where Jesus shows us how he understood the Old Testament and encourages us to have a 
un, unrestricted, unreserved faith in all that, all that the prophets have spoken. So, uh, <clears throat> okay, so they are having their conversation. It's late Sunday night. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so now Jesus appears to all of them, verse 36, Luke, Luke preserves his force. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Let's, let's spend some time there. Peace to you could, could only have been reassuring at this time. They hadn't been experiencing much peace for the last number of days. Not been a peaceful uh, two or three days. And even probably going back further when they saw the hostility of the Jews toward Jesus there when Jesus taught in the temple four or five days earlier and they, and they witnessed all that hostility. And Thomas was probably thinking of himself, see, I told you if we go to Jerusalem, we're all going to die. <laughs> and Thomas is thinking, I told you guys. Can you imagine what Thomas has been thinking? <laughs> from, you know, from Friday night till this time. He said, I told you guys that's just what was going to happen if we go to Jerusalem that they're going to kill him. And, and Thomas uh, was right, sort of, in that regard. But um, Jesus appears in their midst and says, peace, uh, peace to you. But the greeting may be more significant. Jesus as a sin offering and as the peace offering has completed those true offerings which reconciles them to God. And so in the truest sense, Jesus can pronounce peace to you. That is, the peace of God, the reconciliation of God, the friendship of God to you because He has made the sin offering and the peace, and the peace offering on their behalf. And He has procured peace for all of His people through his death and through his resurrection. Remember last week we studied the words that Jesus told, um, told Mary Magdalene to report to the disciples. Go to my brethren. There's three precious things there, right? Go to my brethren. Jesus is saying, we're in a family together. They are my brethren. Go to my brethren. This is a familial thing. That's very precious. And tell them what? Go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. Now, it doesn't get better than that. If God is your father, <laughs> and what that means, you know, there's nothing, you know, th there's nothing better than that. As a father, he's absolutely committed to us. And he's the most wonderful, glorious father. And inconceivable to us, he's a father that gave his son so that we could become his children. So Jesus says, go, I am going to my father and I'm going to your father. 
See, I'm calling you brethren. Well, the reason I'm calling you brethren is we have the same Father. Right? We have the same Father. We're, we're in this family. And then, he, and then he mentions the covenant terminology, and I'm ascending to what? My God and your God. And that's the great covenant promise. I will be your God, and you shall be my people. So, so in these greetings, what he's doing, and especially here on these three we're reviewing a little bit, he, he is reassuring them you know, uh, of their salvation and of their relationship to the God, his Father, who sent him in the world to redeem them. And I see that too in the, in the peace greetings, in the, in the peace to you. Uh, but they were terrified and suppose that they had seen a spirit. Now, we might think that they would not respond with fear since they were already talking about that Jesus had risen from the dead. But Luke leaves one thing out that John includes, that the doors were all locked. And he just appeared out of nowhere in the midst of them. We know that from John. So, um, uh, that might have occasioned their fright. Uh, maybe, you know, how do you think you would have responded? He, he, he just appeared, and you know, he's risen, but, you know, they, they would think, well, surely, you know, he's gonna open a door, or, not, or knock on a door, and we're gonna let him in. <laughs> but they didn't have to hear any knock on the door, let him in. He just appeared in the midst while the doors were locked uh, because they were still afraid of, of the Jews. So that probably may, may uh, um, explain some of their fear. And Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your heart? And the Jesus' standards are really high. They seem kind of unreasonable. <laughs> but yet, again, he's, it's like he's saying, you don't really, you don't have an excuse for being troubled. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? It's just, he's very patient with us. It's just a slowness. The Lord always represents our slowness to believe, not as reasonable. He's very patient with us. He's very gracious with us. And look how patient he was with Abraham and Sarah, right? You know, he let Abraham do the whole Ishmael thing and do all that for like, like 10 years <laughs> before the Lord really, you know, stepped in and, and, and straightened the thing out. So, so the Lord is very patient with us, but Scripture always represents mankind's unbelief at any level as simply unreasonable. It always represents it that way. And, and um, so Jesus challenges them here a little bit. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Uh, behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So what does it say? They were frightened. They thought they had seen a spirit. 
And so Jesus is explicitly responding to what he knows they're thinking. So he says, first, behold my hands and my feet, that it, that it is I myself. And he emphasizes that. That's really a strong statement. It is I myself. And John tells us that Jesus also showed them his side. And so what he's doing is, is he's showing them where his wounds were. He's showing them his wounds. He knows they saw him on the cross. They knew where his wounds were. And he's saying, I'm the one that was on that cross. It is I myself. And also, these are my, the wounds. And um, handle me, then he says. Touch me. And see what? For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So, the doors were all locked and he materializes in the room, but yet he has flesh and bones. He has a real human body. A glorified body, but it is a real human body. Okay. So, you know, our confessions of faith and our creeds use that word, a bodily resurrection, you see. A human bodily resurrection. And, and, and so he says, handle me. The spirit does not have a flesh, a flesh and bones. Now, there's something else there's some behind this, is that the Jews believed that angels and ghosts never ate or drank. Okay, and that's coming up here. They never ate or drank. And so when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, well, their unbelief, this really is not the wrong kind of unbelief here. It's like now they, this is too good to be true. They're now having this experience. Oh, I really want to believe this. Is this true? Can this be true? I hope it's true. It's, it's too good to be true now. So they, they did not believe what? For joy. Uh, this is like too good to be, too good to be true. And they marveled. And, uh, and he said to them, have you any food here? And I got ahead of myself there a minute. Yeah, the Jews believe if, if, an angel or a ghost that they never ate or drank. So that's why he's saying, you think I'm a spirit? And he knows the Jewish thinking. Spirits don't eat or drink. Give me, you know, do you have any food here? And so um, <clears throat> they, they, they called out for fish and chips that night. No, they, they had some broiled, broiled fish, all right? Uh, I don't know where that came from. I, <laughs> They, they, the doors were locked, but they, they had food. They had food. So what does it say here? Have, uh, have you any food here? So, so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. That sounds kind of good. Uh, some honeycomb. And he took it. Yeah, he took it and ate it in their presence. Okay. So... Um, they are very happy 
about this. Let me get back into my notes here. Um, yeah. Handle me and see. Spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. This is, a, this is probably the strongest place to prove the bodily resurrection. Um, those, that are, those that have fallen away from the faith, well, he rose in spirit. He didn't rise bodily. Jehovah Witnesses deny the bodily resurrection. A lot of people don't know that, but they actually do. No physical bodily resurrection. Protestant liberals say, well, it doesn't matter whether it's a metaphor, whether the resurrection is a metaphor, or it really happened. You know, it's a metaphor for life, all right? And, it, and what that, it's not significant whether it really happened or not. And it, it's just sad. It's just deep-rooted unbelief that, that causes that kind of thinking. Uh, but this passage is so helpful in pointing out a bodily, a bodily resurrection. You all should know where it is uh, for your own faith <clears throat> and, and when you interact with people uh, sharing the gospel. Okay, now this ends. Then he said to them, there's probably, verse 44 here, uh, <clears throat> there, there's probably... At verse 44, there's probably a, there's a break here. Then he said to them, these are the words which I <clears throat> spoke to you while I was with you and so forth. And he uh, <clears throat> leads them and gives them a passage about the Great Commission. I think these passages come later. This didn't come that night. It's really hard Luke very seldom gives us clues when he transitions to a different location or a different scene. And uh, we know from other scripture that he, Jesus is going to meet with them repeatedly in different venues during the next 40 days. And this is probably instruction that comes out uh, <clears throat> uh, during, uh, during the days that follow. So, we're going to pick that up when we get to our next subsection on day two through 40. Uh, so, now John's account, John's account has only one additional thing that I haven't mentioned. John 20, 21, back up here to 19. Yeah, this is John's account. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, Luke didn't have that, where the disciples were assembled, and shut means locked, uh, <clears throat> for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's how John reports it. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. And now we have the commission. 
John, uh, John's version of the Great Commission. Luke has his version of the Great Commission. This is John's. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. We'll study that later. And Matthew has his version of the Great Commission. All three of them. And Lord willing, we'll do those next, well, not next week because of the theological thing, but two weeks from now. So I, I, I think there's a break here. Maybe there isn't, but, but I, I think there is because of this is super significant about their commission and it, it makes sense along with the other commission. So, so we're going we're gonna to do that, Lord willing, uh, two weeks from now. We'll do all three Great Commission passages together, um, which is a really good thing to do. And that's what we'll do. So, anybody have comment or questions? We might finish early tonight, but I didn't want to rush this at the end of last week. But we can go into the next section for a bit. But if you have a comment, see, our normal questioners aren't here tonight. <laughs> I had uh, another pastor friend who uh, I knew a pastor years ago who always uh, in habit in comforting someone and uh, assuring them mention Emmaus in that Jesus is with you you just don't know it <laughs> yes yeah you know that's a that's an interesting oh, you, application. You, you, you're too busy to, yeah. to realize yeah. it. Yeah, he does promise his presence to the end of the age. And um, just like, you know, he did with the people of Israel, if, if you were at last Sunday evening's uh, service where Nathaniel was going through King Solomon and and the temple and God's presence filled the temple. How, how the Lord is giving them this outward, massive outward symbol that He is with His people. He's dwelling with His people. And of course, now in the new covenant, He's dwelling with us in and through Jesus Christ. As well as, now that we understand the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, "What well, I will not leave you as what? Orphans. Right. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will send the Comforter. So, um, His presence is with us. And at times we don't know it. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I can introduce our next major... Um, major transition now is going to be the next 40 days of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances there on page 245. And I'll just throw out some chronological hints. I don't know what else to call them. We don't, we, we don't have a lot of detail on what happens when during these 40 days. And I just summarized it all up there for us on page 245. We only have some chronological hints here. We can't really reconstruct this in a precise order. And uh, the only things we have with precision, John 20, 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled. So we, we know where that begins on Sunday evening. 
Uh, that's a reference. And then in John 20, 26, and after eight days, and that would be after eight days from the first day, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Okay, so that's eight days. So that was Sunday night, eight days. What would that put you on the following Monday? I guess that I think it would put you on the following Monday. So that's a chronological reference. So a week has gone by uh, before Jesus appears to Thomas, and Thomas is with them this time. And we know that Thomas has spent that entire week still dug in in unbelief. So he obviously has probably had a lot of contact with the other disciples for that whole week. And he and he's still, eight days later, he's still unbelieving uh, regarding, he's holding out, okay. Uh, so we know that that was eight days. And and from then, I guess we need to jump 32 days forward because the next hard day we have is the ascension. Uh, Luke 24:50, And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and that's when he ascended. And we know that this is 40 days later from that Sunday evening because Acts chapter 1 is the other reference to chronology that we have where uh, where Jesus where Jesus where where Luke writes in Acts chapter 1 referring to Jesus to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So that's our other time marker, and those are the only time markers that we have uh, that I'm aware of for this 40-day 40 40 period. But that gives you some feeling for it. Now, if we assume that Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is giving this list of resurrection appearances in order, there's a few other things time-wise we can figure out. So I got 1 Corinthians 15 up here uh, about the content of the Gospel and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That lines up with Jesus is how slow you are to believe believe in all the prophets and the scriptures. And and here's his order that that he has. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's another name for Peter. Peter's got three names in our New Testament. Peter, Simon, and Cephas. Um, he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. 
Then, last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. So, with that information, we can infer the sequence of some of these encounters. That is, that James saw the Lord after that large group of 500 people saw the Lord. And we think that large group of 500 happened in Galilee. And we'll go through this in more detail, but, but Luke tells us, uh, no, Matthew tells us, let me show you at the end of Matthew. Matthew tells us, um, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And, okay, that's uh, uh, Matthew in Galilee, at this uh, mountain in Galilee. But Paul says that James comes after this scene of 500. So this is pretty far (laughs) into that 40-day period. I don't know when this scene of the 500 is. Um, I'm fairly confident that took place in Galilee. And the reason that's significant is where did Jesus' family live at the time of Jesus' public ministry? They lived in Galilee in Capernaum. They started out of Nazareth, but we know from the Gospel record that sometime close to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, the family relocated to Capernaum. And so the brother of Jesus is in Galilee. And, and so I see a bit of a connection there where, where Jesus appears to many of his disciples in Galilee. And it's after that that Jesus appears to James. So um, that's, that's about as, as much as we know. So, um, <clears throat> now here are the appearances. I have them listed there in your notes. Jesus' appearance to the disciples in Thomas. That was eight days after. <clears throat> Meeting in Galilee at a mountain that Jesus appointed, <clears throat> which I just read out of Matthew there. And then... Um, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily having these in order. Uh, Jesus' appearance to the 500 at once. Um, And then we have three great commission accounts. Well, no, then we have Jesus seen by James after the 500 appearance. And then we have these three great commission accounts. Whether those are on separate occasions or whether that was one account, one teaching on the Great Commission, and each of the Gospel writers selected different content, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think, I think it was on different occasions myself, because the content is so different. John's content is quite different from Matthew and Luke. Um, 
we don't we just don't know we just know that during these four, 40 days we have three great commission uh, instructions and then in John chapter 21 we have Jesus appearance with the disciples at the sea of uh, sea of Tiberias where they're out um, fishing all night and they caught catch nothing I'm not sure where that fits in these 40 days or why they went a fishing when <laughs> they went out fishing during during those 40 days we'll study that when we get there whether whether they were really blowing it and full of unbelief or or not, I, I'm not sure where I'm going to come down on that. Whether, uh, but they were out fishing, and that's where that's where Jesus kind of commissions Peter again, isn't it? Where we have the dialogue of um, uh, Peter, do you love me? And and Jesus goes through that that three times, and then Peter makes a prediction about Peter's death. And about the Apostle John in that in that encounter. So we have that encounter on the record, uh, John twenty one. And Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen seven the B the second part of it. Then Jesus was seen by all the apostles, and um, that doesn't have to be only one appearance. Um, these could be the Great Commission discussions. What Paul could be referring there, I don't know. And and uh, part Acts chapter one verse three gives you the idea. Let me throw that up on the on the screen here. Acts chapter one verse three. Luke kind of has a summary statement there. You see to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. <laughs> so, if you read that, it almost sounds like they saw him every day, you know? Being seen by them for 40 days, during 40 days, during 40 days. So, and he had must have had multiple teaching occasions, right? Speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And uh, we'll, we'll consider those statements when we get there. So, that's the end of my material for tonight. Any comments or, or questions you guys would have? We kind of have our outline for a couple of weeks ahead. We'll go through these these various instruction and appearances, and we're almost reaching the end of the gospel. Lord, uh, thank you for your faithful servants uh, that have recorded your word for us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, that Lord Jesus, that you promise that you would bring to remembrance to these men's minds, that you would bring to their remembrance uh, all the things that you had said and said to them. Lord, we thank you for the your glorious statement that uh, blessed are those who have believed without seeing and based on the testimony 
of your chosen witnesses. Oh Lord, thank you. We pray that you create that faith in many and, and, and help us ourselves encourage others to believe. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.